And we are live. Gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Mecca of Banter podcast. Um, it's kind of crazy to think about. Like this time last year, we were we were kind of kicking off to to get back in the booth with like one of the the biggest episodes that we've recorded recapping the the finals of the World Cup. So that's coming up on a year. If not, we're already at a year of the finals. Um, so kind of crazy to think about one calendar year, all the episodes we've done. But nevertheless, we have this week's edition of the Mecca of Banter to get into. And boy, do we have a juicy one with a double match week coming this week. Uh, but before we kick into all the spiciness of the weekend, um, we'll get some intros. So, um, you know, I'm this week's host. It's Henry Wind. You can find me on Twitter at Henry Wind. Uh, it's a great week to be a Manchester United fan. Um, I... I say this most weeks, just about every single one, um, because Chelsea Football Club is still a club. So a uh, great week to be a Manchester United fan. And uh, speaking of Chelsea, we'll throw it over to Nikki. How you doing tonight, brother? Uh, absolutely. I was coming fully prepared to talk uh, St. Louis City and all the transfer rumors that have been going around there. Because um, watching the other club that I support is um, awful. Um, and I didn't even have say the name. Um, <laughs> they who shall not be named. But I'm here because uh, so I don't get fined. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Hayfee4. Um, but happy to dive in. I will say I did watch a decent amount of footy this weekend. Oh, yeah. Um, so it gave me a little perspective. But yeah. Good. Well, I'm glad to hear that perspective. You know, your takes are always welcomed on this podcast. So uh, thanks for being here and thanks for the integrity of showing up, even though uh, you don't want to. So um, a man that has a lot to talk about, uh, Andy Hoover. How are we feeling? Always, always do. Uh, feeling great. I'm proud of Nikki. Nikki's got some real resolve. There's no way around it. He's out here. He gets into this podcast, you know, uh, my team and everyone else is here and there sees more three points. But, uh, yeah, had we not had the double weekend, I would have been the only three points this weekend, which would have been awesome. But that didn't happen. So uh, happy to chat about it. Yeah, I I think we're still waiting on a week like a weekend where all of us have won. I don't think it's happened yet. Um, on the well, I support Chelsea, so we're kind of fucked there. Yeah, this is, it's just not going to happen. Maybe you just drop out next week and we'll, we'll find it. But um, last but certainly not least, um, number two in our hearts and number two on the table, Lucas Winkleman. How are we feeling? Good, boys. Um, yeah, three points in the last week. Points are points. Um, it's a long season. Villa are a good team, and I'm excited to talk about that game. Uh but been been looking to been looking forward to this since last week. Honestly, I feel like with with all the midweek games, there's so much to go over, and you know, so many so many good goals were scored, so many interesting VAR choices yet again. Um, but yeah, happy to be here. Happy to see you guys. Wish there were more of us, to be honest. Yeah, dude. Um, we we have a weekend recap uh, for the crew, which is really a week recap. Um, and as Nick mentioned, we do have some St. Louis City news, which is fantastic. It's been a couple of weeks since we've had it. Um, so we're excited to get into that. And then we'll finish with a factor cap. Nick, do you have something to say? I was just going to say, before we get into it, I just wanted to say a statement that I had over the weekend and a, a little bit of realization that I had. Um, sure. I had forgotten um when this podcast originally started that we had a host on here by the name of Sean Hughes, uh, that man was a, um, 
Southampton fan, and we all know where Southampton consistently sat in the table. Um, so I kind of took a book out of Sean's page this week and watched some other footage so I can actually bring some more context to this podcast. <laughs> because if I had to watch Chelsea all week and talk about them, it would be awful. So I'm here to chat. Well, I'm glad that you're here, man. And honestly, the results this week were crazy. Like there's yeah, there a lot to, ones, get yeah. in, to, to get into. Um, so yeah, let, let's do it. Um, let's start off with uh, midweek. We had Luton versus Arsenal. Arsenal squeaked by by the hair of their chinny chin chin on a 4-3 win um, against Luton. Lucas, do you want to kick it off? Um, because what a weird game for you all. And uh, the wheels are falling off. Bold statement. <laughs> Coming from a United fan. Hey, man, the least, up on the weekend, eh? To say the least. Um, yeah, beat Luton away 4-3. Like they say, Luton's, you know, not everybody can do it on a rainy day in Luton. Uh, but we did. It's not for everyone. It's not. Um, you know, Declan Rice is him. We severely underpaid. I don't know if you guys saw on Twitter, but a bunch of Arsenal fans in England started a... GoFundMe page for 25 million pounds to pay West Ham because that's how much we underpaid them, apparently, uh, which is just electric. Ever seen. I know, but just electric. Um, great banter. But yeah, honestly, for me, I'm, I'm still confused why Raya started both that game and the Villa game. Um, he let in two absolute howlers. And when we signed him, uh, the club... Arteta, you know, made a statement saying that we we would be having two number ones was, I think, the quote or maybe I'm, you know, paraphrasing, but he said something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Said that we had two number ones and it just doesn't seem that way. I genuinely like both guys like goalies make mistakes some more than others. um, But it just doesn't seem that way. And then for him to get the start against Villa after that, which I know we'll talk about that game in a little bit, was just confusing for me. but thankfully, the guys in front of him, you know, stepped up and outscored them. What what was great and and what I was happy to see was that our front three and our midfield three all had either an assist or a goal. And in Jesus, Gabby Jesus's case, had one of each. Um, I really don't think there's much to say besides that. We outplayed him. It's a game that, you know, we should have won and, and did just that. And, you know, I, I know that I've said that when, when we played other bottom half teams, so far this season but yeah i think that the teams that go far in the league um and elsewhere are the ones that like win the games that they should win and and that was one of them so i know i've said this many times and i think i may actually start doing a little bit of research into it but what is up with arsenal scoring goals after the allotted time that they give this was an crazy they had plus six minutes and he scored in this 97th like yeah just saying, like that is like the fourth time this season that I have brought this up that it ended has happened. Well, I I think that that comes down to like two things. One is just like that that club culture of never giving up that you know some clubs just don't have, unfortunately. But Until we get to the end of the um, season, they're okay with backing it in. But it's you know I, I'm going to talk about that next game, but. Okay. Or a, a to be fair, it wasn't really like meaning a lot of banter in that. Like, no, I, I no, I know it's 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 one of the and then the other the other part of it is that we possess the ball so much, especially late in the game, that like it's t- I think it's genuinely tough for referees once you get past the actual extra time. Like, if we're possessing it around the eighteen, you kind of got to wait until they make a back pass for the ref to blow the whistle, and like 
we don't really do that. Like once it gets to that point, we're, we're continuing to make like progressive passes and trying to cross the ball in. So it's, it's another one of those things that like whoever, it doesn't matter if it's our team or somebody else's, but like they're going to get pissed if a team is possessing it in the final third and they make one pass like slightly backwards at an angle towards the middle of the pitch, maybe. And then the ref blows the whistle. Like people are going to go crazy at that. So it's like a double-edged sword. Uh, I would say in my opinion with that, but at the end of the day, you know, you don't stop playing until the whistle blows. And so I'm, you know, I, I wish that my heart wasn't beating as fast as it was to potentially drop points to Luton. Um, but like I said, Declan Rice is, is him. Man, I was so disappointed when that goal went in. I you all were, so, dude. All of you had so, fucking, all of you had fucking yeah. texts lined up, ready. Oh, to 100%. Did. 100%. You're spot on with that. Yeah, yeah, but we, uh, yeah, you beat the teams you're supposed to beat. So, yeah, everyone should be allowed to celebrate late winners too. Here, by the way, so I, I was the first no matter person, who you play, I agree completely, and I was the first person to say something just because there was a narrative around Spurs pretty early on that you know they're doing laps of honor after beating Sheffield in a 94th minute. You know, like it, it was any of that stuff. Should just it's, be allowed. It's, to celebrate. it's the Premier League, like it's the Premier League. I agree completely. It's not like it's. It's not like it's a Carabao Cup where you know we're playing Blackburn or yeah. Every every game matters in the Premier League, totally. Especially with how tight you know Absolutely. I would say the race is at this point in the season right now. Like there's you know what I don't even know. I would have to check the league, but I'm pretty sure it's like yeah between first Liverpool at 37 points and it's a and then you know United and sixth. It's only 10 points between you know yeah potentially being out of Europe or getting, you know, being in the conference league versus winning it. So that's crazy. It's, it's, it's super close. I like it that way, man. Havertz has been getting points for you guys of recent. Is he like fighting for a starting role now? Or you still see him as a bench guy? I mean, he, he hasn't our midfield with Odegaard being injured. And, you know, at one point for a couple games and, and stuff like that the whole season i don't know what our clear midfield three is it's kind of one of those st louis city things where like we've been mixing stuff around with like you know knocks here and there that we haven't i don't think we've started a consistent three for more than in the midfield for more than two games in a row um but i'm happy that you know over the last month he's been he's been finding form and i think that that's kind of one of those things that everybody's been waiting for um you know and 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 I, yeah, I'm just happy that he's like he's stepping up and and converting, you know, when he needed to. If he could figure it out of like consistency, something that he does really well is making a late run into the box, specifically back, back, at the back post. post. Yeah, like doesn't need to like blow you away with speed. He's never going to be the guy that's going to push the ball past you and run around you. But like that late arriving run, like. I don't know. I feel like Lampard used to do it all the time. Like for Chelsea, he'd be the last man into the box, but you would find him and, and Kai's doing that really well. Um, it's just not always on side. Number one, it's not always without his hand. Number two. And then number three, it's not always consistent. So I feel like, you know, as we transition into United Chelsea, Kai's kind of in this interesting space where like McTominay is as well. where like, when you watch their whole body of work over a 90 minute period, or if they come off the bench or whatever it is, it's like, it's not anything impressive. You're like, 
they're not the best player on the field, but they're putting the ball in the net or they're getting an assist and they're making points happen. And it's hard to keep a guy like that off the field when in reality you have better midfielders who can control the game in those positions better. It's like this weird. I I think it comes, I agree. And I think it comes down to like, yeah, the, neither of these guys, for example, are, are like the stars on the team that like everybody, you know, thinks of when they think of the club, but they're just role players, you know, Mm -hmm. and if a role player can do their role really, really well, um, then, you know, you're going to be successful. And, you know, when they, when they step up, when you need them, then you're going to be successful. And obviously, you know, Scott did that for you guys. Yeah, I, I feel like maybe you just wake with the new day and age and all the transfers and the amount of money, like the luxury of being a role player doesn't exist anymore. Like yeah. you have Kai as like a role player that also costs like 80 million or whatever it is. Like how ridiculous is that? And United's full of them. Like United has plenty inflation, of inflation, man. That's, I was going to yeah. say it's inflation. That's the new price now. I, I Yeah, I give it give it 10, 15 years. 80 million is going to be like. A steal? Well, nothing. Yeah. Uh, not, I wouldn't look back on it and think that it's a steal, but like eighty million dollars is going to be like a middle of the road transfer. I was going to say eighty million dollars nowadays isn't really getting you a superstar. James Madison was forty five, lads. No, saying. we're, not, we're yeah, talking. Like, we're talking near. Income. Okay. Okay. Like, yeah. I agree with you. Like right now. Yeah, yeah like 80s a ton so uh, and yes and there but there's also who there's also going to be steals like that too like i think sure, i think sure, he's sure. an outlier yes. in that had tottenham or had anybody known how integral he was going to be to your guys's midfield this season pre-injury then you know you guys probably would have ended up paying way more absolutely he's and worth 80 now sure yeah, is for um, sure speaking of a club that would have paid more United and Chelsea. Let's talk about it. Um, 2-1 victory for the boys in red um, at Old Trafford uh, over the uh, middle-of-the-road Chelsea Football Club. Um, Nick, do you want to start? You want me to start? What, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, I can start. To be fair, there's not really much to talk about from our side of things. Um, I don't know about you, Henry, and you can agree or disagree, but the first half I thought was some of the worst football I had seen in a very long time. Okay. Um, almost both parties. Um, I think the score that it went Facts. into halftime one one is laughable. I think it literally could have been seven to three at halftime. Wild. Um, uh, Nico Jackson, laughable <laughs> in my opinion. Like, I think I texted you guys in the group message. There was at one point they we had a two on O with Sterling and Nico Jackson, and I knew before they even got in the box that it was not going to be a goal. Yeah, um, and the fact that that's the state of the offensive mindset for Chelsea right now is atrocious, and I absolutely hate to watch it. Um, I really don't. Ha- the only I think the only positive, if there is a positive, was Cole Palmer had a little two minute spell of brilliance, and he got us a goal, mm-hmm. um, which saved us going into halftime one one and i was like there's absolutely no possible way we could have a worse showing um and of course we did um and uh yeah there's not really much i can say uh all your guys's talk about um enzo and caicedo um not performing i completely agree with um they are valued probably at like 40 million dollars i would say um based on their performances right now um i take I, either one bring them to united let's go yeah, it just um i 
right right player wrong system you know yep yeah no i i I think i think the palmer goal was was interesting i think onana's positioning was terrible like onana should have saved that but what i loved about it i don't know if you all remember like do you remember back in like what was it 2012 2013 messi scored like 93 goals in the calendar year and like so many of his goals were exactly what Cole Palmer did, cutting across the box and literally like passing it into the back post, just like out of reach from the keeper. Right when that went in, like that's like what came to mind. It was like a messy goal. Um, but I agree with you, bro. The first half could have been five, five, six, six, could have been crazy on both sides. It was it was, so a, it was a really fun game to watch, to be honest. Yeah, like I mean it was I didn't know what to expect and but I didn't expect obviously. that much energy. Yeah. It was it was so sloppy, like you guys said. Like I was thoroughly enjoying it, mostly because I didn't think anyone looked great. Like the yeah, totally. United, United had something of an identity for the first time. Cole Palmer's finish was slick. Like I the more that. I watched that over, the more impressed I was by that. You, um, you talk, you talk about the messy goals and and how similar it was to that. Like I've always been such a fan because there's so much finesse and, you know, like under under the radar talent that goes into scoring a goal like that like everybody sees the the goals that go top bins or you know the crazy one-on-one moves and then you know chipping the keeper or whatever the case is but like there's a lot of talent that goes into that pace and that out of reach ridiculous yeah so ridiculous i uh that my friends is something i can't do never been able to never will nick the one thing i you've mentioned a lot in the past that i noticed happened Enzo was getting more up the field. Um, I thought he had a couple pretty close opportunities that he should have just done a lot better with. And Agreed. and that seems to be the trend with him. Like I, I don't who, you know I, I also think that has to do with like the other people he's working with on his front three. Like I, I don't think any of them have confidence when they're when they're that's, like, that's going true. forward. Not only in themselves, but like in who they're passing to. Like I think like Enzo's dribbling and he's like, do I play to Raheem Sterling or Nico Jackson? <laughs> and like, what are the odds that they're going to score that? Like, or do I force this in? Like, I think right, like, right. I think that's, there's so many thoughts that are going into these players. as They're going into the box and into the final third. And it's a lot of it's confidence base. And I just, I feel bad for him, but I, I agree with you. Like when he, there was times when he would do some special things in the middle and then he'd get into the final third. And then it's just like a deer in a headlights, don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's weird. Um, Raheem Sterling continues his streak of never scoring against Manchester United, um, which is crazy. He's been around for years and years and years. It's never happened. That's a wild um, So wild, from yeah. the United side, we, we haven't talked about United yet. Um, I want to give major, 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 major props to Anthony. I thought that was the best performance in a United shirt from Anthony. First half and second half, he was doing it on both sides of the ball. If... If he had a right foot, even a little bit, slightest, remotely, this much, dude. In the in the watch first half, there was watch how we defended him too. Like, well, in the first half, there was two opportunities where he was like on the right hand side, and, like in the box, yeah. and like instead of just taking it to his right foot and shooting across the box or even near post, he tried to cut it back. He literally could have had two goals if he just used his right foot a little bit. So. <laughs> Um, that's frustrating, but I thought that he, I thought he was everywhere. Of course, McTominay is going to get the praise because he gets both goals, but, um, I thought Anthony was everywhere. I was really, really, really impressed with him. Of course, impressed with Garnacho once again. Um, Bruno's penalty was terrible. 
Um, he's like one of the most consistent penalty takers in the world. And that was horrendous. Um, and like, I mean, you, I think who you might've just said it of like United looked like they had, uh, an identity for the first time all season, which was huge because I want to remind you that like coming off of the weekend, there was all of the talks about like 10 hog out and how he's lost the dressing room and how this and that, and this and that. And then like the players show up against Chelsea looking like they want to fight for the manager. They want to fight for the club. He benched Rashford, like huge decision, um, stuff like that. And so I was like, fuck, this is going to be a turning moment for us. And, um, it was a great game. I loved every bit of how we finished that game. I like was like yelling. You, you were not happy about the first half as well, right? No, bro. I mean, it was so wide open, but I mean, like for me, I'm like, at least we didn't like until the very end. I was like, at least we didn't concede one of those seven chances that we could have. Like, yeah, for sure. So, some of it was your fault. Like oh, you yeah. being Chelsea, like some of it, like masters of your own, like yeah. demise, yeah. but some of it, like United made great plays. Um, the you know Harry Maguire is coming off of a man, uh, player of the month uh, performance for the month of November, which is insane. So um, wild, you just said that, I, dude, and it's a fact. <laughs> um, but we saw yeah, it in this game almost. <laughs> we saw it in this game, but we really saw it against Bournemouth, um, which we'll talk about. But the issue with Harry Maguire is all of the issues we've talked about, you know, like he's slow coming out of the back. He can't play a high line. He's, you know, doing all this stuff. The issue is he made a couple of massive blocks and has for the last couple of games, like really gotten himself in good positions. But the problem is that he's only in those positions because he's slow. He's out of place. He can't be different places. Lindelof got yanked at half and maybe it was an injury. We don't know, but Lindelof was all over the goddamn park because Harry Maguire was five yards off the the rest of the back four. So it's like, you know, we, we talk about the Maguire Lindelof partnership and how horrendous it's been for years. It's like, I feel like Lindelof has to overplay a million percent whenever he's playing next to Maguire. So um, we looked great against, you know, or we didn't look great. I'm, I'm stoked that we came out with a two, one uh, win, Dobes literally texted me after the game being like, thank God for that, because now we have at least some uh, breathing room on the pod for the next couple of weeks because we didn't lose to Chelsea. But um, yeah, overall, like you're only as good as your next game. And I think that, you know, we showed that uh, when we went out against Bournemouth. So, yeah, Um, I was just going to say something that you've been saying for a while and I haven't we only my only real good United take on this is I thought Garnacho against us looked spectacular and i've yeah. been saying it for a while um every and it, it also could have been because he was going up against kukurea at first and i was like oh this is just embarrassing um but even when reese james came on i thought put him on skates he still looked dangerous i mean he reese slipped on that one well so so that, was, that video i was the, expecting way more out of that video yeah. the second time i watched it because in the real life i was like oh he turned him but yeah. i watched it back i I was like, wow, it was all right. Well, <laughs> even in the first half on, I mean, it's all right. It on like, all right. <laughs> uh, Anthony's side and like Colwell's side, people were slipping right and left, literally yeah. like in that corner of the pitch, Chelsea's like defensive left side, people were slipping right, left and center. Like, I mean, it was, it was crazy. And so like when that happened, as soon as, when I watched it live, I was like, this is going to get cut up so badly. Um, but you know, to your point, yeah, Garnacho, what I appreciate about him is he just takes people on, um, all the time and he's not afraid to do it. And, 
that's what we need out of a winger. We don't need just someone to pass backwards. Um, but Hoover, um, your week was up and down. But starting with the down before we get to the up, talk to us about your midweek game. We had a, a one to two loss against West Ham um, after a Romero banger of a goal. Right. Was good to see. <laughs> uh, but then a, two goals led up in the second half. Uh, weird. Weird, weird goals. Weird goals. It, was, it was probably one of the more aggravating ones I'd seen this year. And and the theme has always been from Ange that, like, we're losing these games because we don't take our chances offensively. Like, these types of goals, these, you know, semi-loose at the back, uh, handover goals out of possession thing, that's not going anywhere. <laughs> that's, that's, that, that's the blueprint, actually. So... Um, it was it was frustrating because you know you see the reverse side of it from this weekend. We'll leave that out, but they were not putting balls in the net, and it you know West Ham held them really well. And I mean the goals couldn't have been bigger flukes, like yeah, the both one of them. off the post. And and again they were out of mistakes from the back line. Um, it was good to have. Romero back, you could see that there was a lot more confidence in, in the back line and just being with the ball. I hate playing West Ham. I just don't like West Ham that much. Um, it, it's always a cagey match. They always kind of bring you down to their level. Um, yeah, but at the end of the day, it was like our third home loss in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd only pulled one point from the last five, which was literally Man City away. So... You know, it's like what what do you take from that? You're losing the games you shouldn't. You're, you know, showing up against the champions with with the same style of play and no center backs. Like mm-hmm. like you have to pick who you're gonna be for the rest of the year. And it, it didn't feel like they showed up that day. So um yeah, you know, it was a frustrating one. I did I don't know if anyone else even saw much well, of those. Yeah, those I, I, I watched the game in one thing that I want to say is like the commentators can get the fuck out of here. I was like yeah. texting you about it. It was like on that second goal where like yeah. Udogi like lost the ball, passed it back, whatever. And then Vicario came out and like slid at the ball. And the commentators literally said, uh, I texted it to you. What was it? It was like Vicario needs to he's gotta be uh, quicker there. He's going to be quicker, quicker out off he, his line. He's got to not be afraid to get kicked in the face there. He has to put his body on the line. And I was like, excuse me. <laughs> like, they, haven't watched, they haven't watched this man play all year. Yeah, I was like, you, kind of what he you does. have to not be afraid to get kicked in the face? Are you kidding me? It was ridiculous. Uh, yeah, but it, it was ridiculous. And like what, you know, we don't have to spend too much time like on this one because I think that we can transition really well into like your victory against Newcastle because I feel like we saw two different teams from Spurs. Um, in the way that they played the game and kind of the bounces that went their way, not saying that the four goals that they scored were any bit lucky or anything like that. But, you know, every team pretty much like with the exception of the city and Liverpool teams of the last couple of years, every team kind of goes through these like seasons. It's like it's like a game of basketball. Sometimes the team goes on a 12-0 stretch and it just is part of the game. You just know that that's going to happen. And similarly, sometimes that's just part of this season. So you all come out and sp- Bank Newcastle four one. Like, what was the biggest difference like between those games and and like what you saw? Um, a lot of lot more individual performances that were better, but mostly when your star player shows up to play the game, um, and they put in a performance, it's a lot easier for everyone else to play well. Like, 
Sonny, Sonny Wait, showing up. I thought you were meaning Char- Richarlson. I, I thought you me were too, dude. I was like, <laughs> Wait, Wait, no, son, son. I was like, please don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did not have, I did, so I said this in the group, did not have a Richarlson double on my bingo card for this year or really many uh, games in general. Um, that was electric. I love seeing the chicken dance, the pigeon dance. I, I drink it alive. I think it's the best thing ever. Um, but yeah, Sonny showed up, dude. Sonny had Trippier on skates the entire game. He he was the direct architect of the first two goals. Um, you know, other players to shout out were Pedro Poro and Destiny Doggy, the right and left back, who were combining through the middle to get the ball to Sonny. Like, like it I ain't no heaven. I, uh, I still haven't really wrapped my head around, like, how they're even able to do that. Like, I, I, under, I feel like I understand tactics to a certain level, and it's just so balls to the wall all the time, and it's, it's fun. Um, when you do it like that, when you take your chances, it was literally the exact opposite of West Ham to where West Ham capitalized on – there are two or three situations, but you know Ben Davies gets a toe in on a on a on an open net to Isak, and deflects it away for a goal kick. Like that didn't happen in the West Ham game. They they tucked those. So when you get two o, when you go into half two o up, you know it's going to be a lot easier for you to play the next half two o up. That they, they you keep the pressure on. That's what Ange has you know preached this whole time. That's the biggest difference. Like. West Ham scored their goal 1-1 at half, and then you don't come out and, and immediately get one or get close to getting one, and they get another one. The game's deflated. You've lost your edge. Whereas, you know, Pedro Porro dime-balled a Richie, two-touch, sketchily, very Darwin-esque, slots one home. <laughs> um, 3-0, it's like, game's done. Like, you could see it on the Newcastle end of things. Uh, they were so dangerous. Spurs were just like attack after attack after attack. Um, Brendan Johnson, Basuma's quality. He looks better with Pat Sar next to him too. Yeah. Um, I think he's a lot more comfortable with uh with young Pepe in there than any of the other guys. And it looked at it looks in a tackle, dude. He's 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 almost Romero esque. He's a little. He's a lot smarter. I was gonna say his <laughs> tackles. But every once in a while, he's got a howler in him too. But it's it's tough. He's a he's a physical dude. Um, there's there's quality in the side, and you can see it. And even with injuries, it doesn't matter who's going to be on the field. Obviously, you want the you know Ange is going to have them doing this style. So, is it sustainable? Who knows? Uh, I think Pedro Bor is a player. I, I yeah. you know I think he's getting better and better every week too, and he's creative and he's a wing back that's playing on the inside. Like I kind of love everything about him uh, as, you know, personal opinion. Yeah. Um, But it's so, I mean, that's Spurs, like the contrast of the two games that we just had. One feels sustainable and one feels that they could do it every week and, and would, you know, churn out really, really good results week in, week out. They also blew a goal lead in their previous four. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it is a little bit Spursy. I'm going to try and escape that term for my entire life, but I'm not going to. I feel I feel like this is kind of like a different Spurs, though. Like, I, I don't feel and, – and maybe, like, I'm deluded just because, like, I like watching Ange and what he's doing. But, like, I feel like last year we threw that term around 
I feel like weekly, like we're like, you know, they're just being Spursy. It just is the way that it is. I feel like this year, like that, that actually might be like one of the first uses of that phrase this entire season um, to see that. And like, they're sitting in fifth, you know, like even with some of these really, I'd be thrilled for fifth. You would. Yeah. And um, he's been so. in the job the same amount of time as Poch. Yeah. And, so. and you know, like we're, we're, we're not even thinking about, how little time he's had. He didn't even have a full preseason. Then he lost the best striker in the world. Yeah. Like that's there's that's really, really, really impressive. And with the personnel he had, obviously Mickey Van Deven Vicario changed the team completely. Mm-hmm. Um but that was really all the business that happened. Those were the only two guys he got in. Madison um, too. Madison too. Madison too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Madison would have been perfect in any manager's side within you know uh, the system but um it's so yeah it's it's like for the first time i have belief in a manager even when we were losing dude even when we were losing you could tell that he was pissed off after the west ham game i was pissed off everyone was really pissed off we thought we threw it away but like there was a response and he and and they made it happen at home and newcastle's good they're riddled with injuries too so but i don't feel like that even needs to get thrown out there because everyone there in the champions league everyone's got injuries like blow me on that one so (laughs) i I love beating newcastle i especially the way that they did the ignorance i've kind of felt from you know some of their fans like even just watching that video of the fan yelling at trips at st james that was bold as hell bro bold (laughs) as hell but I enjoyed this. I enjoyed that one. Yeah, I, I was stoked to watch that. I, I was I was excited to watch a Newcastle demise as well. Um, and you know, y'all are playing great football. It's entertaining as hell whenever Carragher. it's working. Um, Give it to the Jamie Carragher tweeted it. He said yeah. Spurs are playing great football. So fun to watch. Yeah, it, it's true. Okay, dude. Um, you said sure, sure. Yeah, um, you know, fellas. Another team that we just have to talk about. We can't. I feel like we can't keep going on in this podcast uh, week in and week out and not talk about Villa. Um, another yeah, team that is fun to watch, and they came off their their double week this week with two massive results: um, two wins against Arsenal and Manchester City, one nil victories in both. Um, now, it's not like it came out of nowhere in the sense like last year. We talked a lot about them. We t- we saw what Unai Emery was doing in the in the season preview uh, podcast that we had of like where we thought that some of these teams were going to to finish. A lot of us had them either in our top four, or top six. Like we we had a couple of these guys really making an impact, and that's what they've done so far. Um, Lucas, I'm obviously going to throw it over to you to talk about the the one nothing loss for you. But Jen's like uh, definitely got to give credit where credits due. Villa Villa are a real threat. They're sitting in fourth right now, and, and they deserve it every every bit of the way. They beat Spurs away before the City game too, two one. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that's a really ridiculous nine points from three. You know. Yes, you know, especially with the opposition. Like you know, I United I, those three teams in a row or on my schedule, I'm like, fuck, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, and they took nine points. So Winks, talk to us. Yeah. How's the game? Yeah, I mean. Welcome back to the chat. Thanks, brother. Yeah, um, tough loss to a good team. You know, I I was I was going <laughs> to echo that. Media training right there. Thank you. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, just gutted. Um, just gutted. Absolutely gutted. No. 
Uh, yeah, I was gonna I was gonna lead with that um, and echo it that you know at the beginning of the season we I predicted they were gonna be top four, and I know that several others of us did too. Uh, and at the moment, they are absolutely playing like a top four team. Um, dare I say, even a title contender, if that's a hot take. But if you know, if if you can beat the big teams, um, you know, and and then beat the teams that you should beat, I don't see why there isn't a uh, an opportunity there for you again with how close the table is right now. But regardless of you know us dominating the game on paper it comes down to who can take advantage of chances when they get them big or small and Zinchenko was you know caught out of position for one of the few times this year I might add he's been uh historically this year great Zinchenko on both sides of the ball but um (laughs) you know McGinn took advantage of that and uh you know I don't really think that it was savable so even if uh, Ramsdale had gotten the start that game, which he should have. I don't know that he he saves that goal. Um, but I, I am genuinely disappointed because it would have been a, a statement game with how hot they've been. And I'm disappointed because I do think we were the better team. But for me, we need to start much, much, much faster in general. Uh, too many goals. You know, last season, we were the team that came out of the gates absolutely flying would try and you know score one or two in the first 20 minutes and this season it feels like we're the complete opposite um you know letting up goals in the first half of the first half and then trying to bail ourselves out you know towards the end of the game or you know even an extra time as nikki mentioned earlier um you know when we pass teams to death but it it can't be like that because you know there are going to be teams that sit in a low block better than others and just don't allow us to get good opportunities to get shots on target and it also can't be like that against these teams that like Aston Villa that counter so well and press so well um because there's bound to be an error you know or a player out of position and and that's exactly what happened early on in the game so just have to be better if, you know if we want to contend for trophies in in any competition um I will say we we had a foul not get called and then a goal disallowed and I know Henry you and I were um yeah, out watching yeah. the game together and at first i was like no shot they're calling that a handball and and then watched the um watch the replay back and it was a handball you know by whatever unclear definition we have of it um but the like ball the definition where like the ball hit his hand, his hand. leading to the goal was that the was one that- where there were like four different handballs? Yeah, yeah. I literally so and then so just- I, I I I did watch it several times and it only hit his hand. So it was <laughs> it only hit the, his hand the, twice. The, it's the, not really that it, big. It only it only hit it once, but it it came across and he hit it like with his shoulder and then his chest and then like but his hand was up here, so he like shouldered it. Then it hit his chest, and as he was lowering his arm, the ball just kind of like dropped and hit off the back of his hand. And so it's one of those things that, you know, it's it's just unlucky. Like it's not like he was purposely trying to like, like you know, move the ball to his feet or like you know had his hand way out of position. Like it, it was in a good position and just genuinely unlucky the way that it just kind of like pinballed um, down from his shoulder to his chest down to his hand. And you know, I'm. It was a CYC Sunday special. Bro. It was, it was bundle it in in the back post. Yeah, I'm hoping you call it. I mean, but like, like Henry said, like that's that's where Kai has been. Yeah, that's what he said. You know, you know, doing well, yeah. and so the fact that he's like in that position is a good sign. Um, again, unlucky, unlucky hand placement there, but um, 
Yeah, and then but earlier on in the game, Douglas Louise had a tackle on Gabriel Jesus in the box um, and didn't get called a foul, which is tough. Balls above both of their heads. They're both turning for it. Louise kicks the back of Jesus's like leg ankle um, when he beats him to it. And it's one of those things that it goes back to like, it's not V I guess it's not VAR specific because the ref didn't call it a penalty on the field, but there's just like an inconsistency. And again, we, you know, we both, we all four as individuals tend to hone in on it more when it happens to our club. That's just like how it is. But um, if you're not going to call it a foul, don't call it a foul at all. But if you're going to call it a foul, call it a foul all the time. I've seen, you know, tackles exactly like that happen in other parts of the pitch and it gets called a foul this season. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, I have to wonder whether it's like, because it happened in the box, is it like our refs hesitant to make a call yeah. like that, especially in a close game. Um, but it's like, it's like a very similar situation to, and I can't believe I'm, you know, I'm not really defending him, but same situation as Romero's red going studs up, you know, and then we, and then we saw that, that other tackle Kai, Kai made the same, not the same, but a similar tackle didn't, um, say the same. didn't get a red, but it's like, it's again, it's like, if you're going to call it a foul, then call it a foul everywhere. If you're not, then don't, but you just like be consistent because that's, that's what's more frustrating than anything. And why, you know, when that foul happened, I was like, dude, that that's a pen. I've seen the same shit happen, you know, both in the box, midfield, you know, whatever, uh, this season. And, you know, with it not getting called, I'm just like, I don't know what to expect if, you know, you've got five or six of the same tackles and, you know, three of them are getting called a foul and two are not totally all, be- all because of where it is on the field. So that's what's like super frustrating to me. But again, in a game where on paper we dominated almost every category and shouldn't have lost. Um, I, I can't be, you know, complaining about, you know, two, two calls that didn't get made that could have potentially led to goals. I think that with, you know, we had four five, six really good opportunities to put the ball in the back of the net. I know that Martinelli had a great cross to Saka on his right foot uh, back post early on in the game that he just couldn't connect with, but they're, there were a ton of opportunities for us to score and and we just didn't. So I'll leave it at that. I think that, you know, we have PSV uh, tomorrow on Tuesday. So I'm hoping that we can, you know, get some positive momentum uh, as we head into was it Brighton this weekend, I think. Yeah, I guess like you mentioned it earlier, but like it feels like the league's a little bit wide open right now, especially in that top four, like, Yes, Liverpool are at the top, but it's not like they're 10 points clear. Like, you know, it's all there for the taking. Um, You know, failed to mention in your analysis of the game, your former player, uh, Emmy Martinez, standing on his goddamn head, uh, making numerous saves, you know, just being the freak that he is and all of the antics, all of the mind games, all of everything, man. Is he he the best goalie in the Premier League right now? I feel like... Like maybe consistency for this season. Like, I mean, I think Allison's the best goalkeeper in the Prem, but this season he's had numerous like howlers where he's like made mistakes. Emmy just, I feel like he's just so consistent. He, he's not, you know what you're going to get. Yeah. He's not without mistakes, but like he doesn't seem to make the brains, the brains that he has when he's coming out, when not to like the knowledge yeah. of footy, like when he plays a long ball, when he like that's, it a out. lot of that stuff oh. isn't isn't necessarily stuff you can teach to. It's yeah, just like absolutely. as a as a keeper, he's got that soccer IQ that like if you know if he had the talent that Allison has, 
the shot stopping mm-hmm. ability, yeah, he'd be a contender for, you know, one of the best of all time. Yeah, totally. Um, well, well, we'll transition to United um, having an absolute stinker against Bournemouth. Um, what a disappointing game. I mean, not, so like not everybody, not everybody can do it at Old Trafford, but Bournemouth and Bournemouth. Who was it? Crystal Palace can. Yeah, they sure can. Um, Crazy. It not everyone can, but it seems like the majority can. You know, <laughs> it's not everyone. Like it's not Chelsea, for example, but like most teams can at the current moment. Um, man, we 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 had a stinker. Um, holistically bad. Um, I don't. I, it, it looks great. Bournemouth looks great. Yeah, of course. Like they did. Like they they took their chances. Some of their yeah. like passages of play. The finish from Solanke, that first goal. He's so good. I mean, I, what a terrible, terrible tracking from our two center backs. Like Shaw literally just stick out your foot. Harry didn't even try to mark the guy. Amrabat let whoever it was. I think it was like Cook, the center midfielder. Uh, just through the middle to play that ball in like Amrabat like just didn't track him at all. Like just stupid shit that happened right away that we're like, okay, five minutes in, we're now chasing this game, uh, which is ridiculous. And like, we just couldn't get anything going. Um, I did think that it was a little bit of an interesting shout and maybe it's because he's resting him for midweek with champions league, but I thought it was interesting to go with Martial instead of Hoyland um, I thought it was interesting to go with Amrabat and McTominay instead of Maynou. Um And, like, I just thought that it just wasn't the right blend. Um, Luke Shaw had one of his worst games in a Manchester United shirt. I was, just, shirt. I was um, just about to mention because you liked him being in that left side. So loved him. Yeah. He looked off it from minute one, and it just never got better. And he even got yanked in the 80th, which doesn't really happen all that much with him. Um, got yanked and threw in Johnny Evans because I think Ten Hag was just so frustrated um, with what they were doing. And like, to some extent, I wouldn't have started that 11. Um, I would have made a couple of changes, especially for Maynou and Hoyland. Um, but like Ten Hag, man, you set up the game, you you throw out the strategy, and then your players just don't mark up on the back post. Like it's the same thing with Wambasaka falling asleep at the back post last week. Like Ten Hag is not to blame for that. And it's just so disappointing that we go from the Chelsea game where you're like, finally an identity. Here we go. We're like on a roll. And then they show up with literally like one of the worst performances I've seen them play. And what was crazy too, is like I was watching the game and every goal that went in, I was like, of course that happened. Like, we're playing like shit. We have no fight in us. Of course it happened. And like, I've had games where I've been like so mad. I want to like kick my TV and break it. I think I was just like, I was honestly like I was embarrassed. It was like, as if you just like pulled my pants down in front of a crowd of people. Like I was really <laughs> embarrassed watching the game. Um, I like that's yeah, basically we're just what Burnmouth did. Give you, it's uh, kind of did do that. Yeah. I mean that, that's what happened. But like, it, cherries showing off their cherries yeah you know what i'm saying <laughs> baby come on now um but yeah you you look across you look across the board i know that fat mob isn't everything but you see you know bruno with an 8.0 anthony with 7.2 but you know and regulon had a 7.2 but everyone else is well below that 
um, which is terrible. And then Bruno fucks around and gets a yellow card, and he's out for our next oh, game. Dude. Like, and it was on some, be- it was on some dumb shit, like stupid shit. And so, bro. like, not only is it funny, Liverpool, which like no need to remind you is what's seven nothing last year. Like, so we're going <laughs> and playing this like super hard game against the the people at the top of the league, and now our captain is suspended. So it's like. I couldn't even predict this lineup if I wanted to. It, it's probably going to be like Amrabat, Maynu, Scott as the number 10. Like, it's just going to be ridiculous. So um, what an embarrassing performance. And as a United fan, like we were playing Bayern midweek, which we all know the form that Bayern's in. And like, it's a must win game for they us. They lost to, to like, Frankfurt 5-1. Oh, they did. Dobes, There's yeah. a chance. Dobes, Dobes said on, he said on the record in the chat, he can't be here tonight, but he said what? 3-1 United? United. I hope so, man. It, it's a must win for us to like stay in Europe, not just the Champions League, for us to like not get bounced out of the Europa League too. So, um, How does that work? Uh, because like the Europa League, you have to finish third. And if we don't yeah. win, we're fourth. <laughs> and, like just yeah, not really underneath Copenhagen. So, at, le- at least you don't have to scroll to see you guys. Yeah, I know. I mean, there, there's still something, but it, it's a, the tale of two things, you know, like, I, what I what I want to remind myself for like for perspective is that like United has played oh, like pretty okay at times this season and they've played atrociously as we saw against Bournemouth and we're still sitting in six like three points off this Tottenham team that we all have talked about how much we love watching them and we're six points off of City which is you know a pretty crazy thing so it just speaks to how wide open the league is as well. Um, but it was a terrible showing, an embarrassing showing, and I'm hoping that we don't uh, capitulate uh, midweek. So we'll finish up our our, our week recap um, with uh, the Everton boys, a two nothing dismantling of the Chelsea Football Club, um, a game that we saw two nothing dismantling, a game that we saw a team that. Uh, might be bottom of the league because of a point deduction. Nope, they are in 17th, uh, which is five points away from you. Um, so just as a reminder, um, Chelsea is currently sitting at in 12th place at 19 points. Everton is in 17th place with 13 points with a 10-point deduction. So um, think about that. There's six points. Uh, you're six points ahead of them, and they had a 10-point deduction. So that's kind of crazy. Um, and then we saw uh, comments after this game that Pochettino was calling for more signings, uh, more signings as if the 500 to 700 million spent is not enough. Did he, did he really say that? Was that like, oh, yeah. Yeah, he somewhere? Did. oh yeah, yeah. no post game post match interview saying that they need more signings. We need to make some changes in January. Yeah. When our, when our wow. injury list is 20 something people deep and we have, I said they just, anybody who's injured, just fucking drop had, them. We haven't <laughs> had the same. We haven't had the same starting lineup two weeks in a row, and uh, we have no other competitions in the Premier League. So that just shows where we're kind of at as far as personnel goes. Um, we're supposed to have. Why? Like, why are they uh, getting hurt though? You guys, you guys aren't I, in your. I've been you're saying playing less games. From the beginning, uh, Chelsea's yeah. training staff Believe needs me. to get freaking changed out because they have to, bro. Like it's, it's not. It's a, a, yeah, you're right. So, it's a joke. Reese James plays at 26 minutes, finally back from a red card, and he's he has to come off. Like I do think that the Reese James thing is a little bit niche, though. Like it is, but it also like you would. We have 20 some injuries, huh? Like, yeah, and well, we, you have we 10. Are only playing in the prem. 
10 injuries. Oh, I pump the brakes. But your bench is still stacked with uh, a lot of pounds. 10 (laughs) injuries? That is not a lot of dull hairs. It is 10. I just counted them. Name them right now. I'll give you more. You'll give me more than 10? Okay, give me one sec. I just had it. Let's see. I have my list Fafana, Shalaba, Lavia, Matawaki, Bentinelli, Gusto, Leslie, Nkunku, uh, Chakwamenka, and Ben Chilwell. James Sanchez. Oh, do they get injured during that game? Yes. So 12, but 10 going into that game. Yeah. So, yeah. Neither is 20, I believe. Okay, it's an over-exaggeration. injuries compared no. to all you guys. 22, yeah. technically. Um, Everton looked... Everton are on <laughs> like, a roll, Speaking bro. of, Everton's sick. Yeah. Everton are good. Like, we're, we're they're diching it. Hey. They put it to yes. Newcastle, too. Like... Um, they've won a couple in a row, and I the story at Goodison is so electric to me. Love it. Speaking of good, Decore, he's Decore. like he's in the top ten, I think, for goals scored this season oh, oh, oh. in the Prem. Mm. Huh? Dude, who's who's the other guy? Dwight McNeil. Making it ha- Dwight Dwight just making it happen. Making it happen, dude. He's Left been around the block. Do we do we think that like um do we think that like whenever Chelsea loses games like this, is it more so that like Chelsea is just really bad or is it like Everton played really well and deserved it? So like Bournemouth, for example, Bournemouth played us off the park. Like we played terribly, but like we've also played terribly and beaten teams. Bournemouth destroyed us. So is this one Everton played super well and, and they outplayed Chelsea? Is that the story here? I don't think it was Chelsea had chances. Like Chelsea always seemed to create chances. Whether or not they can lock down the back, which has apparently been the issue, like you guys just don't finish your 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 opportunities. Is it time for Thiago Silva to retire after this season? I do. I do I think agree with so. that hundred percent, but he also didn't start in this game, so or play. I, what's the okay. No banter. Definitely not coming from the Spurs fan either. But what's the temperature <laughs> check on Poch? Like, um, I still I've said this from the beginning. I I'm I think he has a lot of shit that he's dealing with right now in this Chelsea in this Chelsea side. I'm not saying he should have it figured out by now. I also want to give him an entire year. We haven't given a manager an entire year yet, and we've consistently been sitting in twelfth and tenth place. So obviously we need to switch something up, and I hope they give them an entire year, even maybe next year as well, to at least give us an identity. And if it sucks, then we can blame it on him, and then we can move forward and try and find a better manager. Like right now, you guys have said it week in and week out, Chelsea Football Club, like we have a culture and this identity of like ingrained into our system in the last like year and a half, two years, and like we're just like shoveling managers out and wingers out like it's nothing because we can't find the net. And, like, at some point, like, I'm hoping someone's going to finally figure it out and we're going to give them the length of time to figure it out. I'm also hoping some of these injuries, like, in Cuckoo, maybe. Like, I don't know. Like, Yeah, you need a spark. Spot. I was ex- I was so excited to see him in the Prem, Me too. too. Was shitty. Me, too. I- I'm hoping maybe that's it. We'll see. But I-, I hope that we give Poach a year. Like, I'm not I'm not sold on him. I just – we at least yeah. give him – yeah, I, yeah, I, I feel like I for like an opinion project. on him. Like right now, it's like I yeah. think it's still Chelsea. 
like trying to get out from the mud right now. And like, once we do, I think then I can judge a manager. Like I, I really, yeah. It's almost like, what do you, what do you want him to say? It's like Chelsea's playing like shit. So like, again, not to make this about like United, but like (laughs) frame of mind that I'm in right now is like, so people are like calling for 10 hog out for people, but I'm like, but what's the alternative? Like the alternative is you bring in a new manager. They're given like no money again. They're, they have this club that they inherited that they didn't bring in. And then they have to like try to implement their system. I kind of agree with that logic for Poch as well of like, if he is your guy, you got to at least give him to the end of the season to try to work this shit out. Like, what I what I can't quite figure out. It was the same thing with Potter though. Like Potter lasted what like seven months, eight months in in the season before it went to Frank. But like you have seven, eight months, and you can't improve anything. Like that that is what the little there's been no identity. Is. That's the kicker because yeah. I completely I'm saying I've seen this, I've been there, I've done this, even with this specific manager. But like there's not been anything super positive to build on yet, even through. Through the younger guys, and like obviously he's had to do so much rotation, and it's hard to instill this stuff. But it to me, it still feels like this is all kind of Bowley's fault. Like yeah. he put Poch in a room that. with a bunch of really young talent, and he was ex- expected to immediately be able to make this culture change. And my comparison is Ange because there's way less new faces, new you know kids. There, there's not been a ton of money involved. There's not been a ton of transfers kind of still had the same four guys who were like, okay, we want to rally around something. Whereas Chelsea's got a ton of random people from different places and they're expected to put it together. So I, I, that's where I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. We have like, like we don't have any club legends or like club veterans in our, no, there's no really like Connor Gallagher, Connor Gallagher, maybe, but like Connor's young as shit. And like, yeah, yeah, we have a bunch of youngsters, but like I also, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I just right now watching us play is not fun. I don't enjoy no. watching us play at all. Gallagher Gallagher might be in a Spurs uni in January too. That's what we're hearing. I don't. I don't. Rumors are, I don't rumors think are swirling, and it's I feel like ESPN both of us. FC, so both of us have the same reaction to it. It's not. That's that's a lame transfer. We're both. Well, just like I it. mean, you you talk about transfers, and you know, we're not going to dive into it on this episode. But it is the 11th of December at time of recording, and it is a little surprising that there haven't been more transfer rumors, or at least from what I'm seeing. Like typically yeah. at this time, like I mean, it's exploding on Twitter. Fabrizio is normally like blowing up timelines, and like there just hasn't really been a whole lot really with anyone like i haven't seen yeah. any big transfer rumors typically at this time we're like oh definitely so and so is going here um so we'll see so um that's our weekend recap chelsea or shit rest of us are trying to figure it out um, and, uh, <laughs> also uh, it's i've it's really interesting because obviously i was telling you guys earlier my girlfriend just recently moved in so like trying to convert her into a chelsea fan i've been having to just like Babe, we'll be good at one point. I swear to God, (laughs) we'll be good. Give us time. Because week in and week out, just like she, she literally is like. So did Chelsea lose again? And I'm like, that's hey, brother. You and I have similar situations on that front. So (laughs) yeah, same. 
like page sometimes it's like oh yeah it lost again and you're like uh. <laughs> lucas um <laughs> gentlemen we have some st louis city news um we we have uh a a uh transaction that happened nah, nah, um, nah, we're, nah. we're seeing uh nah, nah, two players nah. leave we're we're saying goodbye and thank you for your service Good to jared nah. stroud and Lucas Bartlett. And incoming, we have Chris Durkin, who is a center midfielder, primarily a center defensive midfielder that can play anywhere uh, on in the center and on the right-hand side of the pitch. So um, initial reactions to this, because it's been a minute since we've had St. Louis City news. So initial reactions. I'm going to say it. Sorry, boys. Got to say it. I am thrilled to see Mr. Stroud gone. I am absolutely thrilled. Lucas, thoughts? I I think they both I think they both needed to go. Um, you know, from from what we had heard as far as rumors, um, you know, Bartlett wasn't the best in the locker room and you never want any of those guys uh on your team. Um, from what I understand, you know, Stroud wasn't that guy, but we we saw him you know, on the field and just didn't really fit the way that that we played or the way that we wanted to play. And and so I, you know, obviously didn't watch Durkin a whole lot this year, but, um, you know, excited to see what what he can bring. But also having another center defensive mid, um, even if he can really play anywhere in the midfield. Makes me wonder exactly how we'll line up next year. Um, you know, is is Blom going to Europe? You know, what, well, something what we it, talked about, like I think on last ep- on the last episode, as a position that we need, like I, yeah, I totally. think that's, and I'm I'm pumped that we got that, especially because I think we also mentioned like low end, like giving him more freedom. Like I think this a lot, yeah, like, yeah, I, and more freedom for him to play offensively. Personally, like my initial reaction was, I was shocked. I was shocked that Stroud was part of that deal. I was too. Um, I was not surprised at all that Bartlett got moved on. Like, I think we saw it all the way back in like February or not February. Sorry. I got my, my months mixed up, but we saw like a couple of months ago, he kind of got dropped from the lineup, never really made his way back to the lineup. Um, saw that coming from a mile away. If I would have guessed which of our wingers got moved on, Stroud literally would have been at the bottom of my list just because of how much he played last season, especially as it got to the business end of the season. It felt like he was Carnell's go-to guy. I was incredibly surprised by that move. Um, But also sometimes some of these teams that are, you know, trying to sign guys or put them in deals. um, I feel like they're more likely to pick players, you know, good, bad, or otherwise decent that, that they were able to watch more film on. That's true. Versus, versus like a winger of ours that, you know, maybe played a couple games. Like it's a lot tougher sell I know what they're gonna get. team to want to sign them when they don't know what they're going to get. Yeah, I, I just like feel like, um, you know, when we did our, our season recap and we talked about those areas of the field that we needed to address wingers was like one of our first positions. And like a lot of us said, like, hey, like maybe Shroud isn't cutting it as our out and out starter. But like off the bench, throw him on the last 20 minutes like that's fine. It's depth in that position. I was just incredibly surprised with it. So Durkin coming in, I, you know, immediately started like, you know, searching who this guy is. 
Um, he grew up in the, in the, in the USA system, um, played overseas. I want to say in Belgium for a year or two in his like 18 and 19 year old season. He's only like 20 years old, scored two bangers for DC this year. Um, but he's like a defensive midfielder can play a long ball when he needs to. But when I look at our starting lineup right now, you're putting Blom, Leuven and Durkin hopefully into the starting lineup. You don't know. It'd be weird to make a move that isn't going into the starting lineup. Um, but like at the end of the season, Leuven came out in that interview and said that he likes playing the number eight role or the number six role. And Durkin is that. So I'm like just very confused with, like you said, Nick, like what happens to the starting lineup? Um, but who knows, you know, like we don't have a peek behind the curtain. We don't know what's going on inside of the club, but like this move for me, like them making this move definitely tells me that there's more moves to be made oh, yeah. in this off season. If they went out and just, just signed like an out and out striker or excuse me, an out and out winger or an out and out like wing back, I could be like, okay, maybe we're not doing too much business. Cause that's kind of what we need. This move tells me we're, we're dealing. I think we get another center mid if I'm being completely honest. Like I think this was, Do you? I think it was a depth type move. Like, I know you said he, like, kind of immediately goes into the starting lineup, but, like, I, I don't know. I think it was kind of like we're getting some of our lengthier depth players off and getting another depth in a different position. Was well, like, I don't, at it. I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't have a big enough sample size of, like, looking True. at this guy's, like, body of work over the season. I just wasn't mm-hmm. watching D.C. Like, it's I watched them a couple first, times. Like, it's our first MLS, like, transfer, totally. too. So, like, we, I don't know, like, what, like, the aspect of, like, some of these, like – are they doing these just for roster moves or is this like, actually they want these players and they're fitting their system. Like I have no yeah. idea. Yeah. And, and so like, I don't know, just like from the outside looking in, I would hope that if we made a move like that, that Durkin would go into our starting lineup. And if he's just a depth player, like I'd just be surprised that we Got gave up one of our consistent starters for that. Um, but yeah, now, now we look at, we look at the move and we say who else is coming in and, Hopefully that leads to like another exciting couple of weeks because it's not too much longer now to where we do like the the Champions Cup drawing and we start really picking up those games in like January, February. So it's right around the corner, which is kind of crazy to say, um, but also like just kind of like a weird as fuck thing. And this is just my opinion. You tell me if you disagree. I think it's wild that we did that deal. And then they didn't post anything like on social media saying like, thank you, Jared Stroud. Thank you, Lucas Bartlett, especially because they were like such a big part of they were such a big part of the season. They were such a big part of like the first campaign. Like, I'm just surprised that like St. Louis typically on social has like done really classy moves all season long. And just to like make a move like that and then not say anything, I'm like very taken back by that. I agree, and that's why I – and to be fair, I think that's why it kind of played into my thought of, like, this was, like, a depth slash just a roster move that, like, we wanted to make pretty quickly instead of, like, a, oh, this is a long, thought-out transfer. Like a big thing, like, yeah. That's, yeah. That's 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 why I was kind of thinking that as well because you are right. I had to, like – I I didn't even realize it had happened. I had, like, heard in passing at dinner that, like, yeah. had been moved, and I was like, I haven't seen anything on this. Yeah, thing. like, Dope like, texted us, and it was, like, I, on Twitter, and it, like, yeah, wasn't like, even, like, the official post a little bit to, like, yeah. find the trade, and I was like, wow, like, this is definitely, like, on the low, but, like, I was – I obviously I, – I, I have nothing against the man, but, like, I think he was played too much in our system, and he wasn't the right fit, Um, and I just – I think he needed to go. 
Yeah. Well, I, th- I feel like in the next two, three weeks, we're going to see a lot more moves from St. Louis. And hopefully we see a lot more moves. Um, but gentlemen, I'm going to finish with a factor cap uh, for the night. It's been a minute since we um, we've done factor caps. And um, at time of recording, um, I, I want to read off the league table. Liverpool in first with 37. Arsenal in second with 36. Villa in third with 35. City in fourth with 33. Tottenham in fifth with 30, United in sixth with 27th, Newcastle in seventh with 26. So the top of that and the bottom of that, so one through seven is separated by 11 points. So my statement is Manchester City finish outside the top four. Cap. Cap. And that's just that's just pure instinct off of that answer. I'm going to be honest, as you were listing through those names and you were listing the teams, when you got to City, I thought in my head that they are still probably my favorite to win the win the league right now. Like, even four points back? Yes, even four points back. And, like, I don't even think they're playing that good of football right now. I just – I think the league is so up in the air, and I think there's – the most consistent thing I can step on is Pep Guardiola and his ability mm-hmm. to uh, – win titles so i i like it was funny as you were reading that list i like was like i still would pick city to win the league right now and then um so yeah i definitely think they finish in the top four top four yeah lucas i think it's a cap too i think they finished top four you know Kate, katie their their best player their architect has been out this entire first half of the season and you know i'm pretty sure he comes back early in the year for the Soon, second half yeah. of the season Soon. So, you know, having him back, you know, and them still being in fourth obviously shows how deep they are, but they've dropped a lot of points without him that with him, I don't think that they would normally drop. So I think that, you know, they'll, they'll find their groove, unfortunately, when he comes back. Um, And yeah, I don't, I don't see there's a way that they could finish outside the top four, especially with him back. I think that they're going to, they're going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder um, especially against, you know, the teams that took points from them in the first half of the season. Uh, but having, you know, having one of their captains back. I also I also feel like we saw it last year. City not in first is dangerous. Like them fighting totally. to scratch back at the top of the table. Like that's exactly where they want to be. Yeah, and in part of me wants to say factor. Maybe they just sit at fourth. Maybe they finish the season in fourth. But like, because when I think about Liverpool, Arsenal, and Villa, it's not that I don't think that they're not going to drop points. I think they will. I think that that's part of it. Tottenham, as we know, they're three points behind City, and they're still two of their best players are injured. They're coming back too. Like that's going to happen at some point. And then you have United, who's still injured we're not playing like great football by any means but we're six points behind city there's still like games to push you know and this newcastle team can show up and beat anyone in the entire world except for spurs but like you know there are only six point you know there are a couple points back from that you know seven points back so i think the the league is really open but history has told us that like like you said a city who is sitting not in first place has something to prove and and you're not going to bet against that i don't know i just think that i also want to know when's the last time they've sat in fourth like i was just thinking about genuinely i don't know the last time they've they've always been first second or third i feel like anytime i've looked at the table in the past yeah and and to the point like you know liverpool on the season has one loss 
Arsenal has two losses. Villa and City both have three. Like, Lucas, I don't know how many games you all went without losing last season. You know, like you went so many games and that's what it takes to like be at the top of the table where, you know, United has six losses or seven losses, sorry, and they're still in six. Like, it's just kind of crazy how the league is different this year. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that they'll they'll pull it away in, in being top four. And, and I also wouldn't be surprised if they still win the league. But seeing them in fourth is something that we're not used to seeing by any means. Agreed. Weird stuff. Okay. Well, gentlemen, um, that concludes this week's episode of the Mecca Banter Podcast. Before we end, um, we want to give a huge shout out to the man, the myth, the legend, Connor Sindobri. Um, at time of listening, it will be his 29th birthday. So uh, happy birthday, Connor. Dobes, uh, appreciate you being part of this podcast. Couldn't do it without you. And my life as a United fan is better. You suck. <laughs> um, I need the support. And it, so it's nice to have that. So shout out to you, uh, Big Dog. Hope you're celebrating in Miami quite well. Um, the rest of you, thank you for listening. Um, follow us on all of our socials. Uh, hit us up on the YouTube, the Twitter, the TikTok. Um, and we'll see you all next week. Cheers, fellas. Cheers. Cheers, boys. Cheers, boys.